The views and opinions expressed in the Hide and Seek podcast are those of the participants and do not necessarily reflect the views, positions, or opinions of the host or contributors. Hey everyone, this is Sarah. Most of you know me from the Hide and Seek podcast discussion group on Facebook. Do you enjoy the Hide and Seek podcast? Would you like to show your support? Head over to Apple iTunes, leave us a five-star review, and follow us so you never miss an episode. You can interact with us as well as share your thoughts, ideas, and theories on this season's episodes by joining the Hide and Seek Podcast Discussion Group. Find us by searching Hide and Seek Podcast Discussion Group on Facebook. The following podcast may contain strong language and is intended for mature audiences. Listener discretion is advised. Hey guys. You heard Sarah and I dive into Britney's Facebook data download in the last episode titled BB God's Plan, episode 11. I received this data download from Ashley. According to her, she accesses Britney's Facebook account on July 9th, 2019 and downloads her Facebook data. Ashley maintains that someone accessed Britney's account prior to her accessing it on July 9th, 2019. If this wasn't Ashley, then who was it? And why did they feel the need to access Britney's Facebook account? Sarah and I brought in an IT professional with many years of experience with the Fortune 500 company. We sat with him for several hours while we went over the information we have. You'll hear about that in just a moment. But first, I have five key points I want to highlight from the last episode. We see Sheldon attempting to contact Brittany on Facebook Messenger starting at 11.28 p.m. on the night Brittany disappears. We see his attempts at contacting her through Messenger continue through December 14th. To clarify, we're only speaking about his attempts made on Facebook Messenger. We know he attempted to contact her other ways as well. Sheldon's continued attempts to contact Brittany seems to confirm that he doesn't know where she is or what happened the night of November 30th. My next point, Brittany's search history shows her searching Ashley, Eric S., and her own other profiles many times. Between November 18th and November 30th, Brittany searches Ashley three times, the last time being on November 30th, the day she disappears at 5.05 a.m. Eric S. is searched four times between November 16th and November 30th, the last time also being at 5.07 a.m. on November 30th, the day she disappears. My third point, Brittany searches how you know you're with a narcissist three times between November 20th and November 21st, and then makes a post to her own timeline on November 20th at 7.45 p.m. that reads, I finally understand it. Dear Lord, I was with a narcissist for almost the last two years. It's interesting to note, 19 minutes after Brittany posts this, she begins making a series of seven posts. The last post at 10.41 p.m. reads, On God, made my night. The six posts leading up to this post are gone. Who was Brittany referring to? And what did the missing post say? 
point number four. Ashley claims to have all her messages with Brittany, some of which I've seen, yet there are no messages between Ashley and Brittany at all. We don't even see Ashley ever reaching out to her best friend to try to make contact after Brittany disappears. Brittany's conversation with Eric starts after Brittany disappears. There is no prior conversation history. And lastly, to the Facebook user who messaged Brittany on December 1st at 11.42 p.m. and said, What the fuck is wrong with you? I'll ask you the same thing. What the fuck's wrong with you? The last point of interest brings us to eight months after Brittany disappears. On July 8th at 3.48 p.m., the TextNow app was accessed with Brittany's Facebook account. I can't quite wrap my head around this one. I can see the shadow, I just can't make out the figure. What happens in the dark, though, will always come to light. The Facebook information has been a lot for us to digest, and we're confident this has been just as confusing for everyone listening. We want to be sure to acknowledge the great conversations, questions, and ideas that have surrounded this last episode. Brittany's case is the type of case that takes a community of diverse, passionate individuals who are willing to hang on through some of the tough, confusing times. Sarah and I appreciate the dedication of the hide and seek community. Let the search for Brittany continue as we pick up where we left off last episode with the completion of Brittany's Facebook download. We'll pick up where we left off with Brittany's Facebook friend activity. Brittany's Facebook friends activity. And we have four categories that we're focusing on right here. Okay, so the four categories we're gonna focus on are friend requests received, friend requests sent, friend requests rejected, and friends removed. What I'd like to do is, is obviously we've, we've gone through the list and we've looked at each name. What our focus will be going forward in this, for this section is the names that obviously stick out to us for the investigation purpose. I've split this up into a spreadsheet to make it easier um, for us to explain to listeners. So let's start with friend requests sent. And this category doesn't have too much that sticks out to me. She's requesting some, some people and there are no friend requests sent after she disappears. There's not too much here that sticks out to me. If there's anything that sticks out to you, feel free to jump in. But I, to me, there was not much. There's actually one name that does stick out to me. It's a name that is attached to a phone number that she may have contacted on the 30th. And his name is, I believe it's Zach. So that's one I want to, as a friend request sent, if she sent this request to him on the 29th, and if I got the numbers from the Boost Mobile report that Jessica and Christina provided, Who's that Zach? And did Brittany contact him possibly on the 30th for drugs? 
So let's move on to friend requests received. Again, there's there's not much in this category. In fact, there's there's not much at all, meaning there it's blank until 11:29 when she receives one just one friend request. The 1st of December she receives two. But then on December 2nd, she receives a friend request from Eric. Just to be clear, it's Eric S. And we'll get into more about that friend request and why why she's now receiving a friend request when we get to the last category. So, but I find that interesting. So he's, he does send her a request on December 2nd. Correct. But why don't we see... Because we know that the file has been printed on July 9th. Correct. But why don't we see any friend requests between December 2nd and July 9th of 2019? Because this last friend request received says it's from Eric S. on December 2nd of 2018. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Between December 2nd of 2018, no one sends Brittany a friend request all the way through till July 9th? Right. I mean, we see no friend requests received with the inception of the Facebook. And I think you made a great observation when you said that you thought perhaps this page had had been deactivated. Because what else would mean, right? Because like, what else is going to explain why there isn't any activity? Is it possible? Sure. But do I, I find it hard to believe that when she goes missing, especially that people aren't attempting to reach out. And naturally, if you want to send her a message and people are wanting to make contact or letting her know that they're there, people would be naturally, I would think, hitting to add a friend. I don't know. I find I find that a little interesting. Let's move on to friend requests rejected. There are quite a few names in this category. Most of them are insignificant, really, to the investigation. But we see on... November 15th that Tiffany who is the cousin of Bowman if if you remember Bowman is the friend of Sheldon's who gives him a ride the night that Brittany disappears Tiffany and her cousin Bowman had been visiting with Sheldon and Brittany the day that that Brittany disappears so we see that her friend request is rejected on November 15th. There'll be a little more detail about this in the next category. And that's really the only name that stood out to me in, in this list. So the last category is friends removed. And this is probably the most interesting. On... The day that Brittany forms this or or makes this profile on October 7th, Brittany removes herself. She removes the Brittany Keltner profile. And I would argue that she's removing this because this is likely the profile that her and Cage shared or the profile that he comes to have access to. And I, I imagine she's removing it so that she removes his ability to view her new profile 
by removing this Brittany Keltner account. Okay. So that that kind of starts out the category. There's other friends that she removes. She removes several. But the next name that sticks out comes on October 20th. And she removes Curtis Polly, also known as Pocket. She removes him from her profile on the 20th of October. So this would be just two days after he removes his ankle monitor and heads over to Ashley's. Okay. Then on October 28th, eight days later, she removes pockets are full. And I don't know this, but I surmise that that's probably Polly, also known as Pocket, again. Yeah, I would agree. It's interesting why she's removing, if those are both his profiles and that's him, it's interesting that she's removing him as a friend. Yeah. Okay. Next. So we move on to the 30th of October when she removes Eric Bowman, which we just spoke about, and his cousin Tiffany. So this seems significant only in the way that they are then hanging out with them, you know, just a short while later, you know, 30 days later, 20, 29 days later. I don't know what the significance is in removing them, because if you're going to hang out with people, you know, it's, it's interesting to me that you would remove them. I think that her removing them on the October 30th, you know, mm-hmm. her, she moves in with Sheldon on the 23rd. That's when it's publicly known. Right. But we know that she was all, she was also kind of coming and hanging out at his house a little bit before all this took place, or at least the Facebook announcement. And I don't know. I like, again, I'm still trying to understand that dynamic of their relationship because I know that Eric Bowman, you know, yep. his nephew is Brittany's child. And if there was any issues, like I feel like we would have heard about the issues mm-hmm. going on over at Sheldon's if Eric and Tiffany were going over and hanging out. Brittany had multiple accounts too. So yeah. she could have been friends with Tiffany and Eric on other accounts, but on this one with it being new, if she's going in and out, who she wants to be able to see her new life, you know, I don't know, but I agree. October 30th, she removes those two. Again, I, based on my interview with Bowman and, and even when I've talked to Tiffany, they've been willing. We'll move on to the 31st, which is Halloween. And we see that Brittany removes Sheldon Ashbrook. And this catches my attention because we see communication with him and her tagging him in a, in a status, in a relationship status, after the 31st. So my only thought was, in some form to explain this, is that perhaps he had another profile. You know, we've seen a lot of these people having multiple profiles. So my thought is that perhaps he had another profile that, you know, he could get into or, you know, changed, whatever. So I thought perhaps this was a a different profile of his that she's removing. So then we move on to the first of November and she removes a long list of people. And among this list 
is Ashley Marie and Cage. That's interesting because her and Cage are done. But she suspected Ashley and Cage. So I wonder if this is kind of around there. I'm wondering why she's removing Ashley. Um, because she's supposed to be over at her house like on the regular. Could this be with the same issue where she has multiple other Facebook profiles? Absolutely. But those two names, obviously, with the history and how it's been explained, it, that's, that's interesting. Mm-hmm. I suppose it's possible that this is the incident Ashley talks about where Cage kind of tries to pull one over mm-hmm. on them and yeah yeah um, yeah and I think it's around that time yeah I guess I could see then you know them being removed if it's at that time before she maybe talks to Ashley before she gets the whole scoop whatever it is it's possible that she you know acts quickly and removes them both because she's pissed nothing much happens until November 19th and on November 19th we see uh, she removes a long list of people again. And among this list is Fox John, or JJ, I believe. So I've been told that John Fox Sr., his profile has been and has remained under John Fox. And I've been told that John Fox Jr., JJ, his profile was Fox John. So this appears to be JJ. She removes him. And then on the same day, she removes Amanda, who is Eric's, Eric S. Amanda is his sister. So she removes Eric's sister, Amanda. On this day as well. Okay, so this is the 19th. This is the 19th. 11-22, Thanksgiving. And she just removes one person that day. And that person is Eric S. And in the category under friend requests received, if you'll remember, mm-hmm. he was the last friend request received on December 2nd. So he's being removed on the 22nd of November and he sends a friend request on the 2nd of December. That's interesting. I mean, <clears throat> if they were working things out, why aren't they friends? I guess I'm, I'm confused by that. So she removes him on the 22nd. What happens on the 22nd? And the 22nd, we know that she spends with her family. She spends with dad and Emily and her family for Thanksgiving. So, I guess, what happens before or after Thanksgiving, maybe? Seems like if she's removing him on the 22nd, and she then commits to the relationship with Sheldon on the 23rd, you know that she's got she's going through some things on the 18th and 19th. Is she started, I mean, I'm, I'm just trying to understand, if we're going off of what Pocket said, Ashley and Eric are hooking up, did that just start as soon as Brittany went missing? Well, how could Pocket know that if he's in jail? All right, well, I still, that, that just sticks out to me. Why don't we see any other friend requests from... There's a, a long gap of 
of time, October seventh, or to 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 Britain, right? Uh, well, December second, right. December second, last person to send it, Eric Eric Shank. But yeah, I don't we, know. You know why don't we see any others? I am I don't know. Okay, so let's move on to the final category. The final category. So the next category we we have is where you're logged in at. And under this category, there's just one entry. In this entry, we just see one device, which is it says right at the top, Android Samsung Galaxy S9. We see that the login was created on July 8th at 1.40 p.m. We see the IP address and some other information. And one thing that we we want to pay attention to is the the phone here. It gives a model number ending in 960U. So we should pay attention to that going forward to monitor which device is logged in at other other times. When I'm looking at this, though, one question I have is the, the title of this section is where you're logged in, right? Yep. So at the time of printing this file off, this is where this is whose devices are currently logged into Brittany's Facebook account. So we only see one phone. If I had my phone, computer, tablet, if all those devices were attached to my Facebook account, those would also show here though, right? Yeah, yeah. So we don't see anybody with the same type of phone Brittany had when she went missing. We don't, or we don't see any devices showing that. Correct. Okay, and at the time Brittany went missing, what kind of phone did she have again? It was a, it was a 8, Android 8, a J337P was the model. So from that, we're going to go to authorized logins under authorized logins again we we only see one entry this entry is created on july 8th 2019 at 1 40 p.m if you remember from the last entry that I, I noted the phone with the model ending in the last four numbers of 960u and we see the same the same phone being used to create this entry. And this is com- computers and mobile phones you've saved to your Facebook account, which means when they open this app or whatever, they should be able to go right in. Still, we only see one phone. Yes. One person in control of this situation. Right. Ashley's continued to state, and her position has always been, she's, she went in to preserve Brittany's Facebook information. Right. That's been her position, and she's got backups and backups and backups. Okay. I just, I, I find it weird, and I find it odd that we don't see Brittany's phone on the, where she's logged in at. I agree. Because we've never seen Brittany's phone, Brittany's phone's been mm-hmm. missing. So we don't see her phone on there. And why would you remove that if it was on there? I, if she was to say, well, because I wanted to protect the person who was in it or who had her phone from deleting her stuff. And I have one response. That's not your place to, to get yourself involved. You're inserting yourself into an investigation with 
this could be evidence. And you're removing devices. And what would happen if that device would have logged back into her sure. account? We got an IP address. We have a location. We have, you know, why did you go in here and remove that? Sure. She's continued to claim somebody else came in here and, and was messing around with Brittany's account. But as you can see, this is the file you provided to mm -hmm. us. The person on the 7th seems to have the same phone and model as the 8th and the 9th, which on the 9th, you see the printout. It seems like it's the same person. Well, in the next category, account activity, we're going to see that the, the same model phone, again, ending in 960U, has carried forth from early morning hours on July 7th through July 8th and up to July 9th at 4.53, which is one minute before this data download is done. It's the same model, 960U. And another interesting point to note is the IP address. I definitely don't want us to go through all the IP address sure. numbers and what is, you know, this number do and what does that number do? We brought in somebody who I'm going to refer to as mm -hmm. David. Um, he is a professional, as we've talked about, and someone who's very experienced and has gone to school for this. Uh, we've sat down for hours and hours and going over all the IP addresses and all the different details. And uh, he doesn't want it. Like I said, he doesn't want to be um, his name to be dropped in here just because of the line of work that he is in. What David ended up ended up doing is I requested after you've gone through the many hours of going over this, I requested that he provide a statement of his opinion. If the phone, along with the IP address and the model everything from the phone on the 7th and all the way through to the 9th was that the same person and david got back to me james i would find it very unlikely that someone else with the same provider very similar ip address with the same model of phone on the same days would be accessing the same facebook account based off the trending information on this report between dates July 7th through July 9th of 2019. All of those factors together are what form my opinion of an unlikely series of events, July 7th, 2019 through July 9th of 2019. There is one anomaly in the date range of November 30th, 2018 through July 9th, 2019, which occurred on July 8th of 2019 pointing to an IP address registered to Sprint Communications, T-Mobile out of Ohio. This could be a forwarded network due to congestion, outage, or cellular network roaming, as AT&T network could have been unavailable. I mention this because if you look on page 2, within the green box, it shows the same model of phone as the AT&T Mobility Registered IP addresses. I mention this because... If you look on page two, it shows the same model of phone as the AT&T Mobility Registered IP addresses. This is common on mobile networks. If you're confused, allow me to break down what David explained in his statement. The location of an IP address, though important in some instances, may not be as important in this instance. In this occurrence, 
the phone used to access the account remains consistent from July 7th through July 9th, when the download of Brittany's Facebook data is done. Beginning on July 7th at 7.28 a.m., Brittany's Facebook account is logged into using an Android phone model number ending with 960U. This trend continues and remains consistent through July 9th at 4.54 p.m. when the download is complete. The IP address during this time period from the 7th through the 9th is the same with the exception of one session update on July 8th at 6.36 p.m. David explains in his statement that this could be a result of a forwarded network due to congestion, outage, or cellular network roaming as the AT&T network could have been unavailable. After doing a bit of research, Sarah and I determined that AT&T experienced widespread outages in 13 states, including Michigan, starting in March of 2019 and extending throughout most of the year. The FCC investigated this issue as it caused significant delays in 911 administration. Subsequently, AT&T was fined by the FCC for the outages. This brings us back to David's final conclusion. He says, he finds it very unlikely that someone else with the same provider, very similar IP address, same model of phone, on the same days, would be accessing the same Facebook account. If David's assessment of this activity is accurate, and this is the data download Ashley provides, then I have a lot more questions that need answers. Since we last had an episode release, a member of the community posted a comment that I that caught my attention because I thought it was it was really interesting. So I'm gonna read her comment and then we'll we'll kind of discuss. She says, I just got mine, and what she's referring to here is her her Facebook data download. She says, I just got mine. I don't have one single status update missing besides what I deliberately did. My account is approximately seven years old. I share quite a bit of recipes, memes, etc. from other places. Further, I intentionally deleted two posts, but one I had my cousin delete because I shared her lemonade recipe. The one I shared from my cousin was one year, two months old. I shared her post and made my own status on it when I shared it. What comes up in my download is a blank status that only contains a double date and timestamp, and that's it. I deleted a second post that was my own original post of a recipe. It had text that I wrote, nothing shared from elsewhere. It was posted by me in 2018. There's nothing there in the download. It's blank with just the date and timestamp of my original post. That means to me that I would say the way to tell if what was there was a shared post from elsewhere would be if there is a double date and timestamp. For me, it shows a lighter printed date and time and below that, But these are both deletions that I did, not posts that were deleted by the original person who posted it. 
That means to me that I would say the way to tell if what was there was a shared post from elsewhere would be if there is a double timestamp. But these are both deletions I did, not posts that were deleted by the original person who posted it. I don't know if this helps, but this made things a lot easier to follow. You guys are just wonderful. Many blessings to you both. So to me, what what this means in my response to her was the way for us to determine or differentiate between missing posts that are something that Brittany shared, like this woman shared a recipe. So there would be a double timestamp for something that was shared from elsewhere. And then when there's something that you've just shared yourself, it's a single date and timestamp, which actually makes a lot of sense. So as I understand, I forward something, share it, or I wouldn't say forward, but if I share it, and it's if that post is no longer available or it's been deleted, it'll leave a timestamp. Almost like in the con like when you go to post something where your comment section is at, like you'll have a timestamp there. And then normally you have like a little timestamp on the bottom, let people know where it's when it's being uh posted. So instead of having the actual content, you'll just have a timestamp in there as well. And that's when she's forwarded, or I'm sorry, she's sharing something. What happens though if it was her, like she wrote something in the message and then that's been deleted because we can now say posts that have nothing in the middle of the comment section where it would be a timestamp. If that's not there, that means she posted it and that's not there, correct? Right. So when I talked to this community member, she shared that post that she had shared, which she does a lot of, she does a lot of sharing recipes and that sort of thing. Those types of posts that you are sharing from elsewhere, if the original author, like in this case, her cousin, deletes the post, then we're left with a double date and timestamp. And if she shares it with her own commentary, that seems to to be left behind. I thought that was really interesting because if you look at the data download and we look at what's left, it really makes it makes a lot of sense. So I thought it was great of her to think kind of forward and, and do that experiment. That is awesome. What sticks out to me, well, to give an idea of how many posts are missing, on the 21st, there's 19. Just on that one day. I mean, if you count even what's missing on the 29th, it's also in the teens. Yeah. I mean, that's a lot of valuable information that could have helped us mm-hmm. figure out what happened. Mm-hmm. Like I said, this wasn't her call to get in here. And it wasn't her, her role to get in here. She put herself in the middle of this in a way where it was going beyond you trying to help your friend who's missing. I'm not going to sit here and accuse her of things. I'm not going to, what I'm going to sit here and say is after looking at your actions and what you've provided and what you're sending me, mm-hmm. something's not adding up or you really fuck things up. If David's opinion is, is that this person who's changing the password on the 7th and who's getting in on the 8th and downloading stuff on the 9th is the same person because of the model, the IP location. That's Ashley. I mean, the phone, the phone stays consistent from, from the 7th at the first login in the morning 
right through the ninth when the the download of the data is done. And it's not, Ashley told me, like this right. isn't new, you know, breaking information. Ashley told me she got into the account, but what's not adding up is that you said you got in on the ninth and you claim, again, this is the important part, is that you claim someone got in there three days before you did. So was that three days before you did on the ninth or was that three days before the seventh? Like you've continued to say it was the ninth. That's what you led me to believe. And why is, why do you feel the need to have your phone number added on there or your phone added on as the only authorized logging, logged in device? Did you take Britney's off? Like, that's a big problem. If we can find out what happened to her, if this person just, for whatever reason, whoever has the phone, turns it on and logs in, just like you did mm -hmm. when you alerted everybody that mm -hmm. Britney's account was active. Yeah, it's very, it's very unfortunate. Very frustrating. I think it's, it's um, you know, we've heard from, from Brittany's friends and family. And I think, you know, just recently we've heard from family about missing Facebook um, pages and, and memories and pictures. And I think that has been probably the most difficult and frustrating thing to hear is that these people who loved her are now missing out on a lot of memories. and record of those memories are now gone and probably for good some friend i dare say with friends like that you don't need enemies this episode is brought to you by shopify forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to shopify the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. It's a Thursday night in early February. Sarah and I are working. We're making progress, but I can't stop peering over at the suspect board we've created. The empty center stares back at me like a starving beast. As we start to wrap things up, I get a message. It's from Zach Kaner. I reached out to him just the day before. Zach wants to know what I want and who I am. He Googles me and says he's happy to share what he knows and sends me his number. Hello? Hey, this is Zach. Yes, sir. How you doing, man? All right. How about yourself? Not too bad, man. Not too bad. Thanks for taking my call. Obviously, it's uh, not the most exciting conversation to have or just even bring up and talk about but <clears throat> i wanted to just reach out and touch base and see if there was a good time next week and we can just follow up on just having a chance to meet you and see if there's anything that you have that's worth sharing or maybe even some of the information i have that can help but do you have any questions for me before we we try to set something up for next week no not really um 
Zach agrees to meet up with me when I'm back in Sturgis next week. I've been blown off too many times to let an opportunity slip by, so I jump in and start asking Zach what he knows. While I have you, I'm curious just to... I know that you had said, you know, that you would be willing after you'd kind of looked me up and saw what I do for a living. I think that this girl, her kids are the most important. Like, I, I've said, I've seen a thing that you talk with her mom. Her mom is a piece of crap, man. <laughs> like, three weeks before she was went missing, her mom made threats that are out there in the public. Uh, I believe on the missing Brittany page about her coming, her getting killed. Yeah, I've heard. Other than that, her kids are the ones that I want to help with anything like this. And that's the only reason I'm doing this is if this can reach out and have any type of impact for anything, that's why I want to do this. Yeah, no, I appreciate it. And and that's the whole point, right, is just to bring awareness and to bring her name. And, you know, she's not forgotten in applying the pressure on where it needs to be applied at. The police really dropped the ball with everything around here. You think so? Yeah, I yeah, I'd never met the girl, and I was a suspect in her disappearance. I had to take a lie detector test. Oh, did you take one? Yes. I, at that time, uh, I, I was one of the bigger drug dealers in the area. I have almost three years sober now. You know, I guess because they thought it was drug-related, I had something to do with it. I really don't know really so you don't even know how your name got brought into it i have no idea it's actually it dragged my name through the mud pretty good and it really bothered me to the point where it actually i mean i got in i got in trouble but that was one of the motivators for me to stay good and clean was because of how much that bothered me okay are you familiar with most of the individuals who are who have been spoken or who have been brought up in in the theories, accusations, or I guess even who the people who are who are friends of Britney's that are investigating the case? Are you familiar with any of them? I know some things because that was one of the things. I mean, people used to call me the psychic drug dealer because I knew everything. And when this came around, I went out and made it my business to find out what was going on. And I mean, I can, I can tell you, I know she was drugged and raped in a house that I was trying to put a stop to because six other people, six other females came to me about being, had the same thing happen to them at this place. At Carol, or Carl Kelly's house on Jefferson Street in Sturgis. Do you have an address to that? He goes by Carol because he just got released out of prison these day and all that crazy stuff. But he was drugging girls and then pimping them out while they were after he drugged them up. Okay, so so real quick, hold on. Hold on. So <clears throat> this uh, obviously, I've heard about a couple of different locations that where something has happened to Brittany. This location that you're talking about is at a place. Do you know the address? I could take you right to it, but I don't know it off the top of my head. Okay, what road did you say it was on? It's on the corner of Jefferson and Congress in Sturgis. Jeff- South Jefferson and Congress. And it's an upstairs apartment. Okay. So you have, you have feelings or reason to believe that, that Brittany was taken to this apartment that was that is owned by... 
this is what I was told. I had six other female friends that I, I don't know if you really want to call them friends, but come to me for help after that happening to them. I found out that the same thing happened to her there. Who told you that it had happened to her there? Uh, this has been a few years ago, so I may be off on that because she was one of the people that that happened to there too. I, I believe that's who told me. I could be wrong by that. Do you have contact with her still? I, almost everyone I'm going to talk to you about, I haven't talked to in years because I'm sober. Well, this isn't going how I expected. When I called Keener, my intentions was to set up a time to meet when I'm back in Sturgis. But what I didn't expect was for Keener to have information that has the potential to be significant. The information Keener is sharing is information we've heard through the grapevine before. But it's difficult to investigate rumors. They're like a fire. No one admits to starting them. And before you know it, they're out of control. But this time, things are different. Kaner is providing names and a source. Based on your memory, is who told you about this happening to Brittany at Carl's house? Because actually brought Daniel, her... I can't remember. Brittany's ex and Brittany's mom's boyfriend, or at the time, or ex-boyfriend, I don't know, over to my house to... I believe it was that's why I'm thinking that's because she brought Daniel over and stuff like that and I believe that's who it was and so when Daniel came over to your house what was the whole exchange what was the interaction for he was trying to sell me his car it was really weird he was there to try to spy on me because they thought I had something to do with it why I a lot of drugs were being in the, he said you know I was one of the bigger drug dealers in the area and that's what most of this was fueled by and there's a lot of paranoia on top of that and so, so I, don't, I don't I can't give you a 100% straight answer on why yeah. and there's a lot of why questions I've always thought too okay let me ask you a question and, and again like my only interest into the, this whole situation is, of course, it's it's truly just for Brittany. But I have a question for you that I, I, for me to better understand your position in the community at that time, and or at least in the drug world, you, you, you're saying, hey, like I, back then, I was one of the bigger, I guess, drug pushers around in this area, right? Yeah. So would it be fair to say that you were familiar with who was also selling or who was not or did, did yeah, you keep tabs i the people that were in that white car in that video were all from elkhart that's how i know i i, I know who they are i don't know like the I can't remember their name i other than chuck because I, I he's from around my my area but everyone in that white car was from elkhart so you say everyone. So I know I've talked to Chuck once and we've messaged back and forth a couple of times. I, I've heard that it was one of his boys. He was on, he was like on something and was kind of free, He was having like a panic attack or something like that. From, from what it looks like to me, cause I'm, I don't want to be like, Oh, this is what it is. But from who it looks like to me, it's a, it was a meth dealer from uh, Elkhart. That's walking in the video. 
uh, in the white car that's like getting in the back seat, the bigger guy that's getting in the back seat. And I, like I said, this is this is stuff that happened multiple years ago. Yeah, I was on drugs too when it was all going on, and that is what I remember from them. Okay. Do you know who the drug dealer Panda? Have you ever heard of Panda? Panda? Yeah. Uh, I, I'm not familiar with that name, no. Is it a Mexican? Do you know? No. Is it supposed n- to be? No, no. Like a bigger, like, Hispanic guy? No. And no. Unless you're talking about Ashley. Panda. Yeah. Yeah. That's Ashley. That, those were the Panda bags that I used to fucking sell. Ashley's Panda. That's no, because I know who you're talking about. Like, she actually filled out a police statement and tried saying I was the big dope guy in town, and absolutely hates my guts for because of whatever reason. Um, Because of what? I was the one. She might have used that name, but I was the one with the panda bags. So you panda, or did you go by panda? I didn't go. I didn't go by no nickname or anything. Well, I had a fake Facebook named John Lovefield, but I like when I say I was the biggest drug dealer in that town, I was the biggest drug dealer in town. I'm not trying to brag about that or anything. Like I was the man. She had bags that were similar to yours. Then I used to help her move her stuff. And why, by that means, she would give me her stuff, and I would sell everything she had. Because Ashley's one of the individuals who, obviously, I'm oh, yeah, looking. She, she, yeah, <laughs> she's she's hurt this. She's hurt the police getting in more than anything. I, I believe. Have you known Ashley for some years? Then, uh, a few years. I mean, we actually worked at the same company together before I sold drugs and everything like that. So. If Ashley's used, she was using your your bags, but she so she was bringing you the product, but then you were redistributing with with your bags, and she was trying to take the credit for her being the one doing everything like that. So which what, I didn't care because I didn't. I just wanted the money and the right. dope that I got was using to get high with. I didn't give. I, I preferred someone else taking the credit. Honestly, that meant more less. You know, light being put on me. Kaner claims he was the Pablo Escobar of Sturgis. Being in this position, Kaner claims he has a lot of connections to others in this lifestyle. He gives me his take on the ring video featuring Chuck. I bring up the nickname Panda and ask Kaner if this nickname rings a bell. He says no and then rethinks and asks me if I'm talking about Ashley. When I say yes, Kaner admits he was Panda but says Ashley took the credit. Kaner brings up taking a polygraph. I ask him about this. So law enforcement's obviously called you down to take a polygraph test. And oh, yeah. You yeah. said that they, they called you. They questioned me about a murder and uh, asked me about, because uh, I, I, I knew about uh, bits and pieces of that, which shocked me because it wasn't, that's not why they called me down there. And they asked me about that and then asked me about Brittany. The first thing the detective said is and said, in 20 some years of doing this I've never even heard your name before and you know I wasn't he told me if I left town I, I, I wasn't supposed to leave town and they set up for February 28th 2019 I believe it was uh, for a polygraph test to be uh, done in Centerville me and Chris Giddens actually both and 
the day that Brittany went missing, I actually printed out all my locations on my phone and gave them to the police too, along with the um, polygraph test. Because oh. I had my yeah, like this this messed with me bad, and I had a lot of people. Like I actually had a hit put out on me from. In the prison system. Yeah, yeah, yeah I know. He yeah, he put yeah, a hit on. I had you? someone call me and tell me about that. Actually, a family member of mine and said if it was true, they were going to do the hit on me. That's how the we were, the way my family was raised. If you don't do anything with old people, children, or women, those are off limits. There's civilians, and then there's us. And if you do something to a woman child or someone elderly you deserve it like there a lot of people don't have that moral aspect of it if you want to say it's a moral aspect but some still do obviously that you passed the polygraph and you say Chris Giddens is the other guy yeah the night that she went missing me Chris uh, Lucy and Shauna we're all hanging out together. They actually told me when I was in my, uh, so they, you know, do a like a baseline to see when you're lying. And when I lied on my, to see what it looked like when I lied, the uh, polygraph administrator actually said, wow, you really don't like to lie. I, I, I'm a very brutally honest person. Yeah. And I guess I don't, you know, even on that, it shows that I don't care for it. So you were with Chris, Lucy, and who was the other person? Shauna over at Chris's dad's house on street. What stuck out to you? What was it about? Because you said you had printed off your location history. How do you know that you guys were all there that night specifically? Is there something that sticks out? Was there an event? Was there a birthday? Was there... I remember being there because of the questioning and everything like that. You know what I mean? Seeing what date it was, going back on my phone, seeing where, my, where I was at on the locations and everything like that. And I printed them off for, you know, an extra, like, alibi, if you want to say, to say, hey, this is where I was all day that day that she went missing. Kaner takes a strong stance, telling me he passed the polygraph and even gathered proof of his whereabouts before taking the polygraph. He seems serious about making sure he provides law enforcement with what they need to clear him. Kaner's memory seems strong. Being contacted to take a polygraph for a crime he didn't commit appears to have really impacted him. His explanation of his memories come from recalling some very specific steps he took to prove his innocence. Innocence is one of the hardest things to prove, but Kaner has an alibi and he's cooperative with me. Something we've learned in the last year working on Britney's case is the most dangerous liars are those who think that they're telling the truth. I've encountered plenty of that, and after a while, I start to feel it in my bones. But dealing with Kaner, I don't have that feeling. My only curiosity at this point is what his relationship with Brittany was like. And when did you first meet Brittany? I've You've never the met The only her. time I think I met Brittany was in the person's house I was staying at, James and I don't know if that was her or not. I was never introduced. I went out to the garage and JJ 
and some girl were out there. The only and JJ was actually said something about, hey, you've never seen her around, huh? And kind of like it's gonna sound really bad, but kind of like bragging that he had this new dope hoe that no one's seen or had any like action with or something. I, I don't really know what he was getting at, but that's how I took it. And then they were there doing some interaction with with a knife. I, I actually walked was because I stayed in the basement. I was coming up the basement stairs. And the, the garage is like straight in front of the basement when you get up at the top of them. And, and they called me in there to talk to them. I was in there for maybe two minutes. Well, I think I woke up in the middle of the night. I was going upstairs to pee if I memory serves me right, but I'd been a long time ago. Let me clarify what you just heard Keener describing. He mentions a knife. We've heard many rumors about this knife. At the time this took place, Kaner was living with a guy named James. Shortly before Brittany disappears, a guy named JJ, not to be confused with JJ Fox, and a woman stopped by the house where James and Kaner are living. JJ is interested in selling James a knife. Kaner walks in on the three of them while the transaction is taking place. He says the woman with JJ could be Brittany, but he can't be sure. And how did Chris get brought into it? What was his? How did he get brought into it? I have no idea. I don't know how he got brought into it. I don't know how I got brought into it. Um, But that's actually one of the biggest things that has really, uh, I would love to know, honestly. Jeez, Louise. Um, (laughs) Oh, yeah, you you got a hell of a story, man. Your name has been brought up quite a bit, obviously. It's one that's been brought up multiple times, and... I'm just kind of working through all the leads that I was given back in August when I was down over there. But I talked to Greg, Brittany's dad, and he had mentioned that he knew it's about some guys who had also taken a polygraph test. You know, they've they've told me who they have polygraphed and who they have. So Chris took it, you took it. I don't know anyone else who took it other than me and Chris. Because we took it the same day, me and Chris did. I believe I'm friends with him on Facebook, if that helps. Yeah, can you send me his profile? Yeah. Two names down, one name to go. And then you think you're, you'll be able to point out where Carl's house is at, right? Oh, 100%. I've been there. Has anybody confronted Carl about this? I have no idea. If you want to be honest, I actually called someone that I knew would take care of those type of problems and I got in trouble before anything could happen from that which I'm thankful for because I've heard about this from this person before like before he went because he just got out of prison when all that was happening and the first person that actually happened it to was from my understanding she was a prison guard that fell for him in there and they got together and then all of a sudden she disappeared because of it they were drugging girls and raping them. I, I don't know how I don't know how anyone would to expect to find out what really happened without someone coming forward that had something to do with it because of all of Ashley's out there and stuff like that. One of the things I have a question about is Ashley's talked about talked about to me before how she has what she calls runners, guys who transport and deliver her drugs is what I'm guessing. Anyone that does any type of drug activity to a certain level has them. 
she might at one point might even try to say I was her runner, but in actuality, it was just her giving me her dope and me selling it all for her. I know that she tried to do. I know she was doing weird things with Britney's accounts and stuff like that. Um, I know that Ashley and Jessica were going at it because Ashley or Jessica had some of Ashley's things, and I don't know. I'm assuming that was Britney because of later conversations that happened but i don't know for 100 percent certain that was great because of things uh over i was on uh, what was it mechanic street uh was where i lived with jane and that's who got the knife from them and that's who told me it was britney later on and i don't know if that was or not but i know he got rid of that knife really quick once Brittany goes missing, you said you feel that they got rid of that. James got rid of that knife? Oh, James got rid of that knife for the quickness. What gives you that impression? What makes you say that? Because he did. I know for a fact he did. Like, yeah, tell me, like, what happened? He told me he did. Like, James actually is up in Canada now with his wife. <laughs> I believe it's... He does not have a Facebook, though. Oh, shit. Okay. He, he, is, he is very, like, paranoid... I could probably send you uh, his wife's Facebook. You know, that'd be about the only way. If you could do that, that would be amazing. Did you ever ask JJ if that was Brittany that he brought over? I haven't seen him since then, actually, I think. And when did when did this interaction take place? <sighs> Early November. Of 2018? Like right before. It, was, it would have been like right before she disappeared. Like a week or two before she disappeared, I'd say. When JJ and, and Brittany are selling this knife to James, you said James told you he got rid of this knife shortly after Brittany went missing? I believe it was after I, well, he got called down to the police station too, but before I went in. And then, yes, I don't know what they, he never told me what they talked about. The only thing that he told me was that they called him down there to verify that I lived there with him. I don't believe that, honestly. I believe they might have asked that, but I don't believe that's all they asked. <laughs> he was the type of person that was very shady. I was—I mean, I've known him since we were kids, but the only reason I was living there was I was paying rent with dope. Okay. After Keener provides me with the Facebook page of James's wife, I send her a short message. No answer so far, but let's keep our fingers crossed. Kaner tells me the police request that James come to the station to verify Kaner's permanent address. Kaner felt this was suspicious. I'd have to agree. After Brittany disappears, James tells Kaner the woman with JJ during the knife transaction was Brittany. If this information is accurate, then who the hell is JJ 2.0? What was his relationship with Brittany, and has he spoken to the police? Now, during our conversation, Kaner mentions Mechanic Street as his home base during this time. Mechanic Street has been the focus of many rumors. The rumors about this street seem to have been born solely out of Kaner living in that area. I said it before, and I'll say it again. Rumors are like fire, and no one admits to starting them, and before you know it, they're out of control. Now, James also told you that he sold the knife, right? He 
said that he, I don't, I don't know if he traded for it or what, but then he said he got rid of it. I don't know how he got rid of it. Do you remember what, what, what spiked that conversation? Like, what even brought that up? Uh, what, the knife conversation? Yeah, or? yeah. I'm just like, you know what I mean? Like, I'm trying to figure out what, what was it that for him that what stuck out to you was like, you just bought that and maybe even linking that to it, that seems because like an oddity. The, because the cops told me that they were looking in, they were searching places of interest for Brittany uh-huh. and where I lived was a place of interest. And to me, that was the cops saying, hey, I know you didn't have anything to do with this. I know what you do for a living. Clean up because we want to come and search you. Cops are really dirty. I mean, I could tell you a lot about how dirty the cops are around here. I actually used to pay for information about the cops from, like, a task force people around here. That was part of the thing where they told me they might come and search my house. You know, when do they do that? You know what I mean? <laughs> and I told him about that, and he got rid of the knife because of it. Oh, it's not like you have to register a gun. Like it's not- well, it's also missing persons thing. It was their knife. It's a weapon. You know, I, I don't know what his thought process on it, but you also have to remember, we were doing a lot, a lot of drugs. <laughs> and the drugs we were doing are paranoia, you know, kicks in a lot of paranoia. Do you I mean, even in your time when you said you looked into it, I mean, I'm sure I'll ask this question again when I'm in person, but who, in your opinion, or I guess, did you find anything that led you to believe it was possibly this person or possibly that person? Or you even heard the reason as, as to what happened that night? That... Brittany was talking about something, and from what I was led to believe, it was something to do with these people from Elkhart, and Carl was a part of them people. That she was talking about something, and they got rid of her to cover up what she was trying to either tell on them about or inform people about, and the things I know for a fact that were going on there were drugging girls and raping them. At, Car- at, at Carl's house. At Carl, yes. And do you have, I don't do know you have, if that's uh, what it was that she was trying to come out about. But uh, that, if you want my honest opinion, I think the people from Elkhart had something to do with her disappearing, and they sold her into sex, say, uh, sex trafficking. Is kind of what I was told that happened. So that gets brought up a little, that that that's obviously something that's been brought up quite a bit. Here's my question to to and 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 I'm asking anybody or everybody who, who who brings up that topic have you ever seen because i've been there and i've been told that this is a possibility i'm trying to figure out you know how does does anybody even know how this operation works have they been firsthand like like i know where the operation is i know how it works i know how she could have got thrown in and thrown out and how i mean i'm just trying to understand it do you have any knowledge or, or information to share that can help i can tell you a little bit like, they will approach girls, they will kind of, like, get them tamed to doing drugs and doing whatever they say and control them. They, and then they're theirs, and they can just do whatever they want. But if they also are trying to get someone to disappear doing that, they just take them out of state where they don't know anybody, they have to rely on them people for everything, and they string them out so bad that there's nothing that they can do but stay there and be their property. I don't know all of it. You know what I mean? Like I said, this isn't... I'm not someone that ever was a part of anything like that. I was actually totally against anything like that. And that's why people were coming to me telling me this to try to put a stop to it. 
I did a decent job of it, honestly. Not what I wanted to happen happened, but that's a good thing. And it's it's really hard to talk about, honestly. <laughs> I feel like I'm doing something wrong talking about it. Well, I mean, I'm telling you things that I've never told anyone, you know, other than people that are around that know. I mean, I don't, I don't do this, man. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I can assure you that that my motives and reasons and why I'm here are not for anything beyond finding out the truth. You're, you're not around here. You, you don't have anything to gain off of anything other than possibly doing something good for her kids. You, you can use anything I say to you, honestly. If it helps her kids, I will let, I will tell you anything that I know to try to help her kids get either her, their mom back or closure for it. told me that she had been drugged and raped there, but did, yep. did you hear that she was also killed there? I did not hear that. Okay. I never, I've never heard anything about her being killed. The things I heard were, I shouldn't say I've never heard anything about her being killed. I've heard a few stories about how her mom owed a bunch of money for, uh, to the cartel for dope. And they came and took her. And I know they do that for a fact, 100% fact. They will come take your, your kids from you. I've, I've had to deal with a hitman with the cartel with somebody else. Actually, cause of <laughs> he stole like about 20 grand worth of dope from him and they were coming to the house he was staying at where I was at and they were coming to take my friend's kids because of it oh, so shit. I know they do that for 100% fact but I, I don't know if that's true and that's why I haven't even brought that up because that's probably a rumor well, I've heard that before that mom stole this amount from cartel from a restaurant that she used to work at and that the cartel is the ones who really run the operation that's a very long conversation. <laughs> can I ask you? Can I ask you this question? You've been somewhat aware that the cartel is present in that area of. Oh, hundred percent, they are. One hundred percent, I know. Are they that. are they accessible? They, they wanted me to work for them, and I told them no. Are they accessible? You wouldn't want to do that. That's not safe for you. But are they accessible? If you get someone that was dealing with them, yes. I don't have any dealings with them, but I'm, I'm telling you, that's not safe for you. Because if you go around asking them questions, yeah, they will make you disappear. If they had, and that, and that doesn't even have to have anything. They don't even you don't they don't even have to do it, but you come asking them questions about stuff like that. You know, it's just that that's unsafe for you, man. Yeah. I mean, but the, do you, but but do but, but like if, if here is really really bad. If I if I needed to though, where would I go if I wanted to try to get in contact with them? I couldn't tell you anymore. Because you're not. I, like I said, April will be three years. I've been clean and sober. I, I don't live around there no more. I, I don't talk to anyone that has anything to do with anything of that anymore. I've changed my life. (laughs) Who should I, if I, okay, so I still want to, I still want to talk to him. The cartel connection again. Throughout our time investigating Brittany's case, the idea of the cartel has been thrown around by many people. It's an idea that comes up repeatedly. You remember that carnival game, Whack-A-Mole? The moles would pop up from different holes on a board. 
and you were supposed to use the stuffed hammer to whack them. The faster you'd smack them, the faster they'd pop up, all while the noises of the carnival blare in the background. That's how I feel about the cartel rumors. While all the other noise is blaring in the background, the talk about the cartel being connected to Britney's disappearance pops up over and over. I ask everyone to tell me who. Who can I ask about this? I ask for a contact, a name, a source, anything to back the idea up. Nothing. The premise of this rumor starts with Ashley. She says Jessica, Brittany's mother, stole a brick of heroin from the cartel and their payback to her was making Brittany disappear four years ago. If this was the case, would Jessica still be walking around? Would she have made it through the last four years without continued payback happening to her? So I'm not too, I'm trying to figure out who the plug is at this point. If you have anybody that you would recommend, like, hey, if you wanted to try to, this would be your direction to go. Do you have anything like that? For the cartel? No. Uh, like I said, I they wanted me to, like, I got an invite to come work with them, and I turned them down because of what comes along with that. What, how did, I'm curious, just how does that invite look like? What does that look like? Uh, they got a hold of a mutual friend. Uh-huh. She said, hey, they're offering, you know, you throw in this amount of money, which was insanely cheap, and going on, you know, a bunch of dope with them, and, you know, work together, and I said no. And I, I was well known at that time for being someone who could move everything. And you, and you firmly, you said firsthand, I've witnessed them coming after the kids. Oh yeah. How did you? How, how did you? This, this yeah. How did not, you know that night was, that they were coming? Um, I was staying with a friend of uh, me and my girlfriend were staying with a friend of mine. They were coming there because Curtis, when Curtis stole from them, that's where he was living. I believe it was an S10 and twenty thousand dollars. I could be off by that, but because you know how rumors are, you know heroin and uh, meth from them, and they were searching for a way to get that money back and recoup it and you know stealing someone stealing kids is a good way to do that do you think Jessica had any involvement with the cartel like what if if Jessica had stolen from them and that they had taken Brittany as payment I still don't think that they're giving mom off in my opinion I feel like from what I understand about the cartel is no we're taking you and your kids and you're gonna watch them die and then we're gonna kill you like to see Jessica walking freely if she owed a debt and then Brittany was his payment. I just don't under, as I understand it, maybe they did, but I wouldn't, I couldn't imagine them walk, letting her walk to this day if she still owed them. Part of that is they want her to suffer for that for the rest of her life. That's her punishment is knowing that she caused her child to get killed. And that would be her punishment to have to live the rest of her life knowing that that's what she did. If that were the case, yes. you think so? Then that would mean Jessica's obviously aware that she's responsible for the, her daughter's disappearance or death. If that's what happened, I like I said, right. from the things that I heard, she got sold into sex trafficking for her trying to talk about something. And you have her no idea? You have any idea where that would, where she would have been sent anywhere? I would say like out west. It would be my best guess, like Arizona. 
it would probably, I don't think it has to do with cartel, but it would be along those lines of where they would work with. They'd be with Mexicans and out to like Arizona would be my guess. From what, from the stupid things that I know, that would be what my guess would be. If they take somebody for that, they move them across country. In your time being in the drug game, when you were when you were in Sturgis, do you remember any of the major names of or players that were drug dealers besides you? Oh yeah. Can I? Would I be able to get those names off record? Um. Next time on Hide and Seek. Right now is the best time. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, so let me, let me actually, uh, so this is, so your last name is McWaters, right? It's first name Saudi. Yeah. So you're, yeah. so the Don Hill that you're referring to, I just want to make sure I'm understanding this correctly. The relationship of Don Hill. One minute remaining. I mean, I, I probably know things that could help out. Maybe I would, I would imagine, but I've never been interviewed. Thanks for listening to today's episode of Hide and Seek. If you'd like to take a more active role in the Hide and Seek community, come interact with us. Share your thoughts, opinions, and theories in the Hide and Seek Podcast Discussion Group. Find us by searching Hide and Seek Podcast Discussion Group on Facebook. The Hide and Seek Podcast is hosted, produced, audio engineered, and directed by James Basinger. Written, edited, and produced by Sarah Joe. Director of Photography and Editing is Ethan Schatz. Our graphic design is created by Jordan Robinson.